0: Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk.
1: This is J-Dub and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Goose Alexander and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy
2: Waters and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. Will you say, this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Down this to Dunk. Dort, I'm your host, Andrew and Schleck, part Dort. of the Athletic Podcast <laughs> Network. Today, I have a special podcast for you. It is with Andrew Gaze. He is a, an Australian basketball legend. He's also known Josh Giddey since he was a baby. Uh, he's here in town with the Adelaide 36ers, and so I got to sit down and talk to him about uh, Josh's game, his life growing up. I got to talk to Andrew a little bit about his game and his experience playing for the Spurs and playing for Seton Hall. It was just really cool. He's just such a fun guy, such a fun interview. I hope you guys enjoy this, uh, and here is the podcast. I'd like to welcome MBL champion, NBA champion, Andrew Gaze. Also, five-time Olympian, Andrew Gaze, to the podcast. Andrew,
1: how's it going? Yeah, thanks very much. It's a pleasure. It's exciting. It's great to be in Oklahoma, and uh, I've been here many, many years ago, but it's fantastic. And of course... With the Adelaide 36ers here representing Australia and the NBL and the success they had the other night against Phoenix, it makes it uh, exciting times. What did that win
2: mean for, like, just NBL fans in general, but obviously, like, 36ers fans are just elated, but, like, what did it mean for, like, the NBL as a whole?
1: Oh, it's huge. It's got a lot of attention back home because... Very few teams get to do that. Uh, I was reading somewhere, it was a long time ago, but I think Fenerbahce, the the, the yeah. Turkish team, was the last team to uh, win a preseason game. So uh, we've been coming and doing these types of games against uh, NBA teams for the past five years. Yeah, And actually the closest was, uh, I want to say, three or four years ago. Um, and, and I think you still had Paul George, you still had Russell was here, and yeah. Melbourne United... Came yes. and lost by a point. Yes. Uh, so it was. <laughs> it was, it was it, it, we've been we've been close. Yeah. But uh, but to beat a, a quality team like Phoenix yeah. and the manner in which they did it, shooting twenty four threes in the game. That, I mean, that's outrageous. <laughs> in fact, although they're, they're shorter games, mm-hmm. uh, I think the highest in the history of the Adelaide 36ers, and they've only done it. A couple of times in their history, is they made twenty in a game. No kidding. Now that's in a forty-minute game, though. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. The, the, I guess that what counters that is our three-point line is about fifteen centimetres. I think it's about fifteen centimeters closer than okay. what yours is. Yeah. So it uh, it was a remarkable game, and yeah, we're just excited and very proud. And in Australia, the NBA is huge. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a, a statistic. It was a, you know a couple of years ago, but per capita. Uh, Australia had the highest just subscription rates for NBA League Pass of any country in the world. Wow! So it's really big, and and now that uh, for for the uh, the casual fan, they're gonna know that you know basketball here in Australia is going really well. But unless you have that tangible evidence, unless you have something objective that you can look at, yeah, they go, oh yeah, that's just. Basketball people with basketball propaganda, but then they <laughs> see a result like this and go, well, "Hang on a minute, yeah. they're actually not too bad." Uh, albeit that it's a preseason game, we keep it in that context. But even in that context, it's still a great result. Yeah, it's impressive.
2: I I can attest to you to our Australian listeners. Like we have several Australian listeners. We, oh, good. Even before Josh Giddy. Yeah, came to the Thunder. There were a lot of people that were interested in the Thunder from Australia. I yeah. mean, it's just—I
1: don't know if we had, have we had another Australian player? I mean, Stephen Steven Adams is oh, from New, New Zealand.
2: Zealand. Yeah, for some Australians, that's close enough. For for some, they're like, I'm, I'll never listen to that podcast because I don't <laughs> want anything to do with the New Zealander. <laughs> um, so you played with Josh Giddey's dad, yes, I did, Warwick, um, for several years with the Melbourne Tigers. Uh, would you have trade, Would you have traded present day Josh? <laughs> Back in the day, Warwick.
1: Well, you're asking, you're asking me which one of my my kids I love the most because <laughs> they're they both uh, great teammates yeah. uh, and great personalities. But uh, certainly, and I think Josh would happily, uh, I mean, sorry, Warwick would happily concede that I think his son is <laughs> maybe a little bit further advanced than what <laughs> was was. But yeah. th- the thing about it is, is that uh, Warwick was. An elite passer. Okay. And you see that in Josh. Yeah. And there are certain things and instincts for the game that go beyond the amount of training you do. There's sure. there's, there's a bit of an instinct, something in the DNA yeah. that's enabled that. And his very unique and elite passing skills comes from his dad. His dad couldn't throw it in the ocean. His dad had the (laughs) ricketyest, broken jump shot you've ever seen. And uh, it's been one of the criticisms of Josh about his shooting, but he's he's so far ahead of what his dad was when it came to shooting. But his dad was tough. He was tough. He was a rebounder, elite defender, and just an unbelievable passer where he'd see things that others can't see. So he's inherited a lot of those skills. Yeah. Uh, But if if you, to get to your question, is that, yeah, Josh would probably be a little bit ahead of where, and, and Josh is only a baby still. I know.
2: I know. He's not even 20 yet. Yeah. And he's playing at this level. Maybe you would have won a few more titles
1: had you had Josh on your team. Well, the only thing about that, if I had Josh on my team, uh-huh. then I wouldn't have got to play and score as much. So maybe <laughs> you think so? <laughs> maybe it would have been better with with uh, Was. Uh, so you've known Josh for a long time since he, since was, he was born. Yeah. Mm.
2: So when when could you tell that? Okay, he's he's got it. This is a special basketball well, player.
1: Well, we knew very early on that he had some things that, you, that are hard to teach. Yeah. An instinct for the game, his passing ability, the way in which he Coordinates with his teammates. Uh, we knew that really well. It wasn't until probably later in, in relatively later in his development, mm-hmm. that we thought that this could be a, a genuine NBA player. And that was that. What probably wasn't until he was like sixteen, okay, seventeen. So yeah. he was always really good, but he had a, a growth spurt. And right now, uh, in your terms, I, I think I get this right. He's about six foot eight. Yeah, that's right. So. Um, that is, and for his position, it's a huge asset. Yeah. And he, he's got such uh, incredible upside as well. As good as he's going now, I think the shot's going to improve. I think the understanding of what's required on the defense, the understanding of the NBA game, the nuances that exist there, he's only going to get better at it. So he's, yeah. he's got some huge upside he's tough as well you
2: mentioned his dad's toughness his dad was the one of the do toughs. you have any stories about just like how how tough he was or maybe some examples of that from uh, the he's, tigers he's a,
1: he's a stereotypical guy that would do anything for a teammate mm-hmm. when uh, and a tough de- defensive assignment was there he would get it and and his dad could guard multiple positions but he was one that, if you had to send a message out there, yeah, and you just needed to let some opponents know uh-huh. that uh, there is a an element of risk on the floor that you need to be you need to be aware of. Then yeah. was was that man? Whenever we played against some of the bigger teams, and I'd be harassing it, and, and I'm kind of, I was a little bit like Josh in a bigger guard, and I'd have the ball in my hands yeah. a bit, yeah. And they'd be trying to meet me up the floor and wear me down. Giddy was the first one to say, "Hey, next one, I'm going to be waiting at the centre line. Run them to me, Mm -hmm. and we'll 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 create some space." (laughs) So he was, um, yeah, he was played through adversity, pain, never whinged. Stuff that people would be withering around on the floor, carrying on he'd be up and at it again. He, he was just a, he played, his dad was actually an elite at three different sports. Uh-huh. Um, basket, he played for the Australian national team in the juniors Uh uh-huh. for Australia. He played in the NRL, which is a rugby, uh, a, 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 a type of rugby. And then he yes. played in the Australian rugby team. And in all three of them, Okay. His dad played for the national team. So his dad was really <laughs> skilled. Yeah. And if you've yeah. ever seen Rugby League or Rugby Union, mm-hmm. it is a brutal, brutal game. Yeah, And that's what he grew up on and was really good at. So that's where that, I think that toughness comes in. Yeah. Yeah, that's – I mean,
2: Thunder fans know that from watching Stephen Adams as well. Like he yeah. grew up playing rugby. Rugby's and, huge in New Zealand. Yeah. Rugby yeah. and
1: rugby league are, are huge in New Zealand. In Australia we also have another sport which which Josh grew up on yeah. is Australian rules football. Yeah. And that is even that is just as brutal but requires more skill, way more aerobic, a bigger field, you're kicking it and handballing it and it's a it's a tough tough game which Josh loved when he was growing up as well and and throughout those formative, you know, from the time he was say 10 to 14 or 15, he played both. Yeah. And you take some hits, some big hits. So that's why Josh, I think, anything they're dishing up here, mm-hmm. it's big bodies, mature bodies, but he's seen it all playing Australian rules football. Have you been able to connect with Josh since you've been here yet? Yeah, we were going to catch up with him, but uh, they're already in Tulsa. So I only okay. got in yesterday, right. yep. and they are already down there. So mm-hmm. I, 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 we, we reached out on the phone. We're going to catch up with him but he's busy, you know. They're, they're, oh, they're yeah. there, and they got a game tomorrow, tonight. Then they play tomorrow, and then I leave the very first thing the next day. So yep. I won't get to speak to him a lot or catch up with him a lot because of they're on the road. But um, but we keep in touch. He sends me messages every now and again. And, yeah. Um, he's yeah, he's a good kid, and he loves the game. And you you guys are lucky to have him.
2: Yeah, I know. Thunder fans love having him here. His family seems pretty close. So his sister. Played yeah. Basketball, she just transferred to Southern Nazarene, which That's is right. like really close yeah. now, it's basically in the city as well. Yeah, um, what, what did you see like just from their family, you know, seeing them kind of grow up together?
1: Well, his mom is his dad steals the limelight as far as their previous basketball careers. He's, sure. His mom played at a high level as well, right? And and really, when you look at his shooting and you looked at was Warwick's shooting, his dad. Uh, he definitely got his shooting from his mum because <laughs> you know was his technique was all over the place yeah. but um but yeah he he's um there've been tremendous influences on him yeah. and and, he, and and not just his basketball skill but his personality sure he's a good kid you know yeah. he's very respectful he's coachable uh he he gets it so it's we we very proud, not just of the what he's done on the basketball court, but how he's grown into a, a fine young man.
2: Yeah. He, he definitely has showcased that. He's one of the more well-spoken 19-year-olds I've ever met in my yeah. life. Like, it's, you, if you just talked to him, yeah. uh, you just had his face blacked out, you'd think you are talking to, like, a 30-year-old. Well, when,
1: when he was younger, he was your typical gym rat. Yeah. And he would come to me and talk about games that, he's, that uh, was... Had put on the VHS, okay, and you get the old VHS, and he and he just loved to watch our old games, yeah. And he played in a system that uh, that has been handed down in our club, and it still exists today. Mm-hmm. It's a little old school, yeah. You know, it's a it's a passing, cutting, um, offensive structure, yeah, that I, I think really benefited him as far as his development, yeah, and. Of course, he grew, and that always helps as sure. well. Uh, but uh, he loves the game and is a student of the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another reason we look at his basketball IQ, beyond yeah. the fact that you know he can pass and shoot and rebound and does most facets of the game yeah. pretty well. There's those intangibles that I think because of his dad and his mum. And and him himself wanting to sit down in front of the television instead of watching uh, the Teletubbies, yeah. he wants to put on a a, a a basketball game. Yeah, that held him in good stead. Yeah, I think you averaged forty four points one season. Is that right? Yeah, I did. But I I don't I don't have fond memories of that team because we were lousy. Yeah, our team was going through a tough time. We yeah. had a couple of imports that left halfway through the season. Oh, okay. And um, it was. It was nice, and it looks good on the resume. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's one of those things that you um, you like to hear and sure. you guys talk about it. But it would mean more to you than it does to me. I, yeah. I, because we only won, I think, three games that whole season. Okay. So there are a lot of meaningless points. Yeah. In that, <laughs> and and I didn't yeah. play the whole season because I was injured. Um, but but yeah, it was it was almost like a lot of those games where I'm putting up big numbers, they, were, they weren't as significant as what it looks on paper. Yeah. You had an
2: interesting career. You played mostly with the Melbourne Tigers, but yeah. you came and played for Seton Hall yeah. and then came back and then came to the NBA and went back and then came back to the NBA yeah. and won a championship with the Spurs. What kind of went into those decisions to do that? Just... Life
1: experiences as much as anything. Mm -hmm. The the somewhat unusual thing when people talk about my time at the Seton Hall Pirates Mm -hmm. where um, it was straight after the Seoul Olympic Games and uh, I was listed as a junior because although another year of eligibility was in question, because I'd went to the Olympics, I I couldn't go the year previously. So we thought we were going to get granted another year. Yeah. But we had an unbelievable year. Went through to the championship game, yeah. lost to Michigan. Yep. In one of the most difficult officiating decisions that, throughout the course of my basketball career, is hard to live with because it's the foul on Ramil Robinson. Now you're probably too yep. young to have seen um, yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> it was it was really difficult. But the funny thing about that is, um, because the team had so much success, and 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 I was a. Uh, one of the, um, uh, you know, I was a starter and had a significant contribution. It got a lot of attention, and uh, a lot of people were suggesting that to just a hired gun. Is he really going there? The crazy thing about it is, is that I went to the '84 Olympics and the Seoul Olympics, and because mm. of that, I was studying. F- I was um, finding it difficult to finish my studies at university, mm. and in fact, it was only because. It was between NBL seasons, and we were amateurs back then. We yeah. were just playing for the love of the game. Uh-huh. It was only because there was this window of opportunity where I could go and and do two semesters, uh, you know, do some more credits. Yeah. that I went to Seton Hall. So everyone thought, <laughs> well, he's not really interested in in studying. Yeah, it, it was absolutely the complete opposite <laughs> of that, but yet the The narrative around me and my time at Seton Hall is, well, you've made a mockery of the system. You 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 were the cause of all these rule changes for foreign players and all that type of thing, but it's it was it's completely the opposite. So, yeah. but that was another one playing for PJ and of course going through and being involved in a national championship game was yeah. you know what was it forty five thousand people at the King Dome in Seattle Unreal. in the final four we beat Duke in the semifinal and. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, Michigan got hold of us and we lost in overtime. How did you choose Seton Hall? Like, what was that process like? What happened back then is um, it used to be colleges would play a preseason games. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times they'd invite international teams to come and play. Mm-hmm. And you'd play a series, you'd go on these tours. And I went on many of them throughout yeah. the curve. Every November, we'd be going uh, and looking forward to going to the States and playing anywhere between seven and ten games yeah. against college teams. And in 1986, my club team, the Melbourne Tigers, mm-hmm. we did a tour of the Big East. We played every school in the Big East. Uh, we beat Georgetown in that, on that tour. <laughs> and back then, Georgetown was this feared, oh, yeah. huge thing. And, yeah. and uh, uh, we beat Connecticut as uh-huh. well. And Seton Hall was the last stop on that tour. Uh-huh. And my dad was very, really good friends with PJ's dad. Okay. And my dad knew PJ as well. And we played, and in that last game, they beat us, and Mark Bryant, who was one of the assistant coaches, yeah. he, was, right. he was on that team. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, what happened was is I had a good game. Mm-hmm. I had a, a, a really high-scoring game. Mm-hmm. And straight after that game, PJ and John Carroll, his assistant, they wanted me to stay on and uh-huh. said, listen, you would be able to hook up with our team after Christmas and, you know, come in and play. Yeah. Now, my, at the time, my goals were firmly fixed on, fixed on the Australian team and wanting to re- represent Australia. And, um, you know, this sort of came out of the blue. And, and I said, listen, you know, I really appreciate it, but I, I can't do it. I, I really want to go to Seoul. Yeah. And yeah. I, I got this pathway. But John Carroll, the assistant coach, was relentless. Now, this is a time there's no internet. There's no you know, right. WhatsApp. You can't do video. And he was calling. And back then, to call the United States to Australia, it'd be, if, he was literally calling me once a week for two years, <laughs> saying, listen, we really, you really can help us. You really can help us. Yeah. And because of the Seoul Olympics in 88, our, our regular season that I played in started early, and then okay. in 89 it went back to its normal time slot. so uh-huh. there was this chunk of time yeah. that fitted perfectly <laughs> in with the uh, college system and yeah. the semesters and studying and all that so it all just and I thought I'll bugger it I'll have a, have a go. why it's not meant to be yeah. it's a good experience. So I basically went there straight after I went from Seoul to Seaton Hall okay. And um, yeah, Ramon Ramos was in the Puerto Rican team, Mm -hmm. and we played uh, against Puerto Rico in the first game of Seoul. So I got to meet him a little bit, and uh, yeah, it was just a a wonderful experience with a great bunch of guys and uh, lifelong memories. So you won an NBA title with the Spurs. You kind of had a small role in that team. I had an insignificant role <laughs> insignificant. on that team. You're polite in saying it was a small role. Okay. I was there. I probably would have actually got into games, maybe 20 games that season, and that junk okay. time. Yeah. Absolute junk time. Yeah. So, again, it was a little later in my career when that sure. opportunity popped up. Sure. And absolutely loved the experience. Yeah. Obviously, when you go through and you win a championship, but it wasn't, it wasn't that easy because the start of the season we weren't going well. There was talk that Pop was going to get fired, and, um, but it was a, that's wild.
2: And he's still coaching and he's today. Still there. Yeah,
1: I can still remember the bus ride. Uh-huh. We're going to play the Houston Rockets, and we'd had a real t- tough start to the season. And you know, I was I was just listening in, and the back, and and there was genuine conversations that were being had by the players in the back of the bus. Yeah. If we don't win this game, Pop's going to get fired. Literally, that's with the thought <laughs> oh, that. Oh man. If we don't win this. <laughs> so game, is it? So is it like David Robinson
2: saying that? Like who? Who yeah, are the guys was, saying you know,
1: that? Between Avery and and yeah. Mario and. You know, I can't remember specific, but sure. I do remember the conversation. Yeah. just I remember it vividly because I thought uh, selfishly, if Pop gets the arse here, yeah, uh, whoever they're not going to keep me. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I was more selfishly thinking it at the time. And sure. I remember thinking, oh man, this is, but fortunately, we won that game. Yeah. Went on and ha- on a bit of a winning streak, went on and won the championship. And Pop's now regarded if, is one of the greatest NBA coaches in the history of the sport yeah so it's the, the fickle hand of fate works in mysterious ways yeah, And it, it it worked out then but you know my role was insignificant but it was a privilege and an honour to yeah. be a part of it with Dave Robson Tim Duncan Steve Kerr um Jerome Kersey, Will Perdue, yeah. uh, Antonio Daniels was a young fella on the oh, yeah. team. He,
2: he used to do broadcasts here yes. in Oklahoma City, I, yeah. I heard that. Great I guy. not know that. Yeah. I
1: think now, is it, New, is it New Orleans? He's in New
2: Orleans, yep. New Orleans, yep. yeah. For the Pelicans. He does color for them now. Yeah. Incredible guy. So, he's a yeah. great fella. Yeah.
1: And um, it was it was a fun time. It was a really fun time and uh, just, I pinched myself of how lucky I was. Yeah. And sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time. And, yeah. Pop was, you know, like the recruiting process when you're trying to get players. He was brutally honest when he was talking to me about me being involved. And, Uh you know, he was positive saying, listen, you know, historically love what you do. We've got a veteran team. I think you can fit in. Your shooting is what I really like. I think we, we got some with Tim and Dave. We need to spread the floor. But you need to understand this. You're coming in, and with the other players, unless something goes horribly wrong, you're an insurance policy. Yeah. So if, so, if someone gets hurt, sure. then we feel like you could be around and, and help us. So yeah. he didn't sugarcoat it. It wasn't like he was... <laughs> Not much of a sales pitch. He, he wasn't selling the, uh, you're going to be, you know, some sort of mega hero. And yeah. there, there was going to be a significant role. Not at all. Um, but at that stage in my career, you know, I was getting on. It was... Yeah. Like I couldn't even believe that I was getting asked to be involved in it. So, yeah. just uh, again, it just—I don't know how it happened. It was just really lucky and, and grateful for that opportunity. I heard you won't put on the ring. Is that true? I don't put the ring on. Though. Yeah, I, it's in the trophy cabinet and it's a okay. great memory. Yeah, and it sits right beside, but beside a a uh, signed nineteen ninety nine Spurs, NBA ball. Yeah. So it's it's in there. It's in the trophy cabinet. But no, I don't. I, I don't. Um, you know not i i'm not a big jewelry man at the best yeah. of times but yeah. my my you know my role or contribution was like i said very very small so yeah. i'm proud of it and i love yeah. it and it's a great talking piece when people come around and everyone mm-hmm. wants to see it because mm-hmm. i don't do things by halves this sucker is a sizable <laughs> unit i mean this thing's, this yeah. thing's got a bit uh got a bit about it mm-hmm. um but yeah it sits there and it's 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 a uh, Every time I walk past it, it brings a great back, brings back some great memories.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua di Joe Parfum, a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromatic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Uh, how do you think his decision to stay in Australia and play in the NBL, play for the 36ers, affected just his trajectory?
1: Well, it worked out perfectly. Uh, he had a lot of schools interested. Yeah. He, the thing about Josh, he was somewhat of a late bloomer throughout the juniors. Mm-hmm. So those early stages, he was a good player, but he wasn't a great player and he wasn't necessarily recognized like some of our young stars are at that really early age. Like yeah. I'm talking 11, 12s under-14s, and even in under-16s. He, he wasn't regarded at in that top echelon. Yeah. Uh, so so he's... he's um, Exposures for the college teams. There was some that knew about him because there was a lot of Australian connections. Yeah. But he really kicked on a little bit later. And uh, I remember his dad was pretty keen. His mum and dad were pretty keen for him to look at colleges. But mm-hmm. they've always left those types of decisions up to him. He mm-hmm. was a... You know, he's a smart kid, but he wasn't, he wasn't overly motivated by school. Mm-hmm. And I think the decisions that he's made, the programs that he's been with, both in the NBL and now with OKC, have yeah. been absolutely perfect for his development. Yeah. He was with a, an Adelaide team when he was there for that one year. Yep. that they, they weren't in the championship window. Mm-hmm. And he got to play a lot. And he got a lot of opportunities to so, show what he's capable of doing. And it didn't take long for NBA teams in particular to recognize that yeah. this kid's special. Uh, so, so I think that that decision that he made was, in hindsight, absolutely perfect. Yeah. Anytime you make a decision that leads you to be the number six pick in the NBA draft, you've made good decisions. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's pretty wild because he, I mean, at the start of the season, I don't know, maybe a second rounder if people considered him that. But yeah, the way, absolutely. I mean, the way that he played really, I mean, he rose up into yeah. the lottery. I don't, I don't think people even thought on draft night, he'd go that high.
1: No, but it the wasn't. Thunder Obviously loved it. We didn't. Yeah. And we were all, we were all thinking that I think, OKC had a, a later pick as well. Or, and I know the Warriors were interested. Yeah. There was a few teams. They had 16, they had six, 16, 18. Yeah. And everyone was yeah. thinking, oh, well maybe it's that, that later pick. Yeah. Um, But uh, just the genius of OKC, I think that uh, it's been recognized as a really good pick. Yeah. And one where you're probably not going to see the full rewards for that for a few years yet, a few seasons yet. Yep. But I think most people have seen enough to know that that he's going to be a long-term, very significant NBA player. Yeah so you're here to promote australian made i've got a a little keychain here can you tell us a little bit about it well australia that's that's these tours it's about the nbl it's about trying to grow basketball uh build relationships with the nba uh give our league exposure internationally but it's also an opportunity for us as a nation to present ourselves to the world and in this case present ourselves to the u.s audience and Mm -hmm. We're all about trying to encourage people to come to Australia yeah. and Australia Made is a, an organisation that provides uh, authenticity to Australian products and services mm-hmm. and um, that's part of that. They're the sponsor of the, the tour. They, okay. th- th- that, that logo is going to be on the back of their jerseys tomorrow okay. and it's just trying to let people know that uh, Australia can do some really good things both in a sporting sense and a manufacturing sense and a, um, uh, a whole variety of different industries we're really good at. And, uh, that little, there's a, because Australia, there's, you don't know, Americans don't know a lot about it and they're curious yeah. to know more. Yeah. I mean, some of the people think we've got kangaroos bouncing down the middle of <laughs> Sydney, you know, or Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's really advanced uh, um, states and cities and with its own culture. But because there's this... They, they love the accent. They, 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 they want to touch and feel Australia. Uh, there's a lot of industries that claim to be Australian. Right. But not quite as Australian as others. Uh-huh. Uh, but this little logo here with the tri- triangle on the back and the kangaroo in it, what that represents is... Is the genuine, accredited, authentic Australian that you uh, industries and services and, and sports that you can trust? Yeah, I have one more question. This is actually from a fan. Cool. So everyone knows
2: that you and Leonard Copeland yeah. formed a dynamic duo That's for it. the Melbourne Tigers uh, in the 1990s. You were a great shooter, and LC was a great dunker. Yeah. Uh, you also got credited for being a great passer, Yeah, but be honest. How many of those great passes were really just airballed threes <laughs> that
1: Leonard turned into dunks? Uh, this question comes from Lee Ellis from Sunbury, oh, Australia. Turn <laughs> it up. Come on, Lee. He's, uh, he's, he's done some great things. He's another great export that uh, you guys here have, uh-huh. have copped and uh, he's made a bit of a name for himself a fun yep. guy really really yeah. good guy I've, yep. I've caught up with him a few times actually we did a podcast with him as well yeah and I think he's still doing podcasts is he still yeah. doing podcasts yeah he works
2: for the same company I do yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well,
1: well clearly his judgment about um, my passing skills and uh, what we developed with the with the alley-oop uh-huh. back then was Leonard was a player who played with the Clippers uh, yep. one of those fringe guys that mm-hmm. came to Australia fell in love with it married in Australia Australian girl had four Australian daughters and and lived there and is now lived more in Australia than he did in the United States. Wow. Yeah. But um, but yeah, we we our our combination between him and I and the the systems that we run and you know how you just get that rapport with someone, we're, we're able to do it. But I, as I say, unless you can throw those pinpoint passes and and uh, and right near the rim for them to go get, you know, he got a lot probably a lot more recognition. Than I did for the past, but we all know that the past is very critical component to the whole process. (laughs) No doubt, Uh, Andrew. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It has been an absolute pleasure. It's a it's a blast, and good luck to OKC this season. And look after our boy Josh, please. We will. Thank Thank you. you.